Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You are listening to As a Woman, episode 86, Doing Things Differently with Dr. Aaron. Aaron Isaac is a board-certified pediatric dentist. She's a boutique practice owner, and she is known for pushing boundaries starting practices and doing things when everyone else tells her that she can't. You're going to love her story. Welcome to As a Woman, the podcast hosted by fertility physician, Dr. Natalie Crawford, to educate and empower women. Each week, learn about your health, your fertility, and how they relate to your true self. Become a part of the community, fostering collaboration over competition while learning how to authentically find your voice and amplify others as a woman. Hey friends, welcome back. Today I have a special treat. I'm talking with Dr. Aaron. Aaron and I connected over Instagram when I was in the process of starting Fora with my partner, Amanda Skillen. This episode is going to be released on her birthday. So if you follow us on Instagram, Fora Fertility, feel free to give a shout out to Dr. Skillen. But Aaron and I connected over that thing of starting something when everyone else tells you no. Or more than no, when everybody else just believes you can't do it. They think you're crazy, you're pushing boundaries, and you don't fit the stereotype. She's been doing that in pediatric dentistry, and I'm so impressed to have her on today. Erin is a board-certified pediatric dentist. She is the founder and owner of Winning Smiles Pediatric Dental Care, which is a boutique Pittsburgh-based dental practice. She's also an assistant clinical professor at the University of Pittsburgh School of Dental Medicine. She went to the University of Pennsylvania School of Dental Medicine in Philadelphia, which is one of the best in the nation. And then she did a fellowship in pediatric dentistry at CHOP, the Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh. She's also a part-time fashion model. She loves to empower women and expand minds beyond typical stereotypes of what a dentist looks like, especially working for racial and cultural equality. You are going to love her. Here we go. All right, friends. I am so excited to have Dr. Erin here. So Erin, welcome to As A Woman podcast. I'm so excited. This is finally happening. Yay. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. So, you know, we started following each other on Instagram and that's where I was first introduced to you, which is kind of now becoming a common story, but we really bonded over the female owned small medical practice connection here since I opened Flora, but you are Mm -hmm. much more experienced than I am because you opened your dental practice in 2015. So, so impressive. So you probably have lots of great tips. I feel like I'm just wading the waters of what it's like. And it's like tidal wave, like tsunami waves coming at me. Um, That's pretty much how it goes. (laughs) Like that's what it feels like right now. Yeah. Why don't you kind of start back at the beginning? Because I just read your bio and you went to some of the top notch places for dental school and for your residency. And did you always want to be a dentist? Was that always what you expected along the way? I actually wanted to be a veterinarian my entire life. Yeah. If you knew me growing up, it was Aaron veterinarian, like up until about junior year of, um, of college, actually. So even in college, you were Mm pre-vet at first, is that right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. 
exactly. Um, I was pre-vet up until about junior year when I realized how, not that it's not difficult to get into dental school or med school or anything, but it is extremely difficult to get into vet school. Like very Like difficult. real, yeah. I went to Auburn and they have a good vet school and it was like yeah. more competitive than the pre-med yeah. were the pre-vet kids. Exactly, exactly. Because there's so few vet schools in the whole country. Um, but so once I realized, which this is not the best way to go about things, but once I realized how tedious and difficult it was going to be to get in, I kind of, I changed routes and also because there were different requirements that were needed that I just hadn't even been close to meeting at that point in time. So it was just going to take too long to get there. Um, but yeah, so then I have several cousins and family members who are dentists, um, both of my sisters are physicians. My mom's a physician. So healthcare is all in our blood. Um, and so my cousins who are dentists just told me to check it out and I shadowed them. I liked it and off to dental school I went. So that's kind of nice because you have family who are in healthcare. So you kind of knew yeah. what maybe life as a dentist would look like or life as a physician would look like that led your help in kind of making that decision when you decided to like get into dental school. So do you take like the MCAT? Like I had to take, like is there a different test for dental school? Like what's that whole process like? Yep. Yep. So there is the DAT, which is essentially our version of the MCAT. To get Equally into painful school. probably. E oh, terrible. And there's like the spatial reasoning ones. Of course you need that for dentistry. And it was just like mind blowing. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we do the DAT um, to get in. To dental school and of course all your prerequisites like the biologies and the different sciences and things like that you have to have that stuff do you go around like on interviews and do that kind of just like the whole shebang right the whole shebang pretty much the same deal it's just the dental school so we have the same um you know you're interviewing at different dental schools um for that we didn't rank it it was just whichever one you got um, acceptances too. And then you picked the one that you wanted and you sent in your deposit and showed up on the first day. But yeah, it, it works essentially the same way. Okay. Did you have to go to like a ton of interviews and spend all a lot of money to kind of go? Like I remember for med school feeling like it was a crazy time because you're just like a college kid, yet you're spending this money to like travel to places and interview and do that thing over and over again. Same situation for dental Same school. Situation. Yeah. And I didn't apply to nearly as many as my friends did. So I was like, this is just getting way too expensive. But um, I think I applied to a little less than 10. And then I went on like seven interviews. So it was still a good bit and a hefty price tag. Yeah. So then you start dental school and then how long is, so med school's four years and it's like two years of classroom stuff and two years of clinical stuff. Is it similar in dental school or what's it like? Uh, kind of, but it's its own beast. It's four years, but from day, or I should say week one, you are hands-on of some sort. So um, we're in the pre-clinic, you know, like drilling on fake little plastic teeth and you have this mannequin head that looks like a person staring at you and you pop, I know. <laughs> Sorry, pop, I'm making a face for everybody who's listening. I'm like, what? <laughs> you pop like the little plastic teeth in and you practice drilling on that. So literally from the beginning, you are hands-on, which adds a whole nother level because you're still in courses all day long too. So it's, it's a pretty stressful thing, dental school. Pretty much anyone you want to ask who's been 
through dental school will say the same thing. So it definitely sounds like it's teaching you, you know, to balance things at once because you're doing like clinically hands-on stuff plus all the coursework. Is residency, I know you did a residency. Is, is that a normal thing? Does everybody go do a dental residency or is this just like, like my husband's a pharmacist. So some people go on to do residencies, but some do not. So what is it like for dentistry? I would say that's correct. Um, the, if you want to specialize, then you definitely go into residency. But you can, the minute you graduate, as long as you have a license to practice in a certain state and you've taken all, you have all of their requirements for that state to practice, you could literally go get a job and start working the day after you graduate from dental school, if you want to. Um, but most people, if you want to specialize, you do residency, but a lot of people also do something called a general practice residency that helps them just one year do general dentistry, but get their speed up and things like that. And then they go off to start working. So what all specializations are there? I mean, you specialize in pediatric dentistry, so I know mm -hmm. that's a thing, but what else is there? Yeah. Pediatric dentistry, orthodontics, um, endodontics, so root canal specialists periodontics, the gum specialist, um, oral surgery, um, dental anesthesiology, and um, uh, oral pathology. Oh, so fascinating. So many choices. Uh -huh. So I, I know, know. I'm so excited to have you here because um, I think personally being a pediatric dentist is like, like there's 0% of me that would ever find that interesting. But my children are pediatric dentists that we have here in town. It's called Groovy Molars. And he's like the most amazing dude. Do you know what I mean? Like uh -huh. relates to kids. Like my kids uh -huh. drive by, they're like, that's Dr. Single. Like they like the dentist. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, holy yeah. cow. Like, so this mm -hmm. pediatric dentistry thing, like you could potentially, you could have a practice that like kids are excited to go to. And so mm -hmm. when we became friends, I was like, I definitely have to have you on because I feel like it's probably the special person. You probably have similar personality traits that are going to get drawn into taking something that can be kind of scary for kids, but making it not scary. Exactly. And that's pretty much how my office is. Like we have a lot of patients who walk to the office because they live so close and we'll see them, you know, walking by after school and things like that and just wave out the window. You know, they're not even coming in for their visit. They're just, hey. Um, but yeah, it definitely takes a special personality. Lots of patience, um, but also able to get things done quickly and efficiently at the same time. Um, and honestly, it's the kids. Handling the kids is the easy part. Oh, it's, we're the problem. The, the exactly, you said it. <laughs> exactly, okay. that's the tricky part. The kids, you know, you can that, that's easy to learn and to um, get that down pretty quickly. But um, definitely takes some patience. Did you know, like, when you were in dental school, were you like, I want to do pediatrics right away, or did that kind of come to you later? And is that like a match-like process, or to get into those residency spots? Yeah, so I actually, it was actually kind of a process of elimination, to be honest with you. I, I relate to that. Um, yeah, right. That's how I choose exactly. dinner some nights, that's okay. <laughs> right, right. Um, and now a word from one of our sponsors, Quince. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. And luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces 
that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. The best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands, but Quince partners directly with top factories, cutting out the cost of the middleman, passing the saving to us, and only working with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. I personally cannot wait to wear my cute tan linen set this summer. So it's your turn to get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash A-A-W for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash A-A-W to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash A-A-W. Thank you, Quince. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Apostrophe. With the temperatures starting to warm up, I'm so excited the summer is around the corner and getting ready and looking forward to the summer months. But I know that when I'm outside, enjoying nature, I need to pick up supplies to prepare myself for summer adventures. And if you want to get your skin glowing in time for summer, it's time for you to get started with Apostrophe, who is sponsoring this episode. Apostrophe's goal is to help you feel confident in your own skin. So whether you're dealing with breakouts, signs of aging, or acne scarring, Apostrophe will help you love the skin you're in. I personally love that you get access to an expert dermatology team, a tailored treatment plan. It's simple to sign up for your first visit, and there is no in-person appointment or trip to the pharmacy needed. We have a special deal for our audience. Get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash A-A-W when you use our code A-A-W. That's a savings of $15. This code is only available to our listeners. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash A-A-W and click get started. Then use the code A-A-W at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Ritual. Did you know that women were excluded from clinical research policy by federal law until 1993? But women belong in scientific research. They're essential and Ritual knows this. I choose Ritual Multivitamin every day because it is easy to take and I know that I am getting high quality and traceable ingredients in a clean and bioavailable forms. In fact, Ritual conducted a university-led human clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin to assess its efficacy and the results showed increase in vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. No my shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash A-A-W. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash A-A-W for 25% off. Thank you, Ritual. I know I didn't want to do general adult dentistry. I know I didn't want to do root canals all day. Orthodontics was a little too slow paced for me. I need more instant gratification. So I kind of just started dwindling down. My mom, since the beginning of dental school, said, you should do pediatrics. And of course, you know, being the kid, I'm like, no, I don't, I'm not going to listen to you. But of course he was right. Mom's right. So um, I ended up just right before applying, like the time to apply for residency programs. So I was like, I want to do pediatrics after having a and a cool experience in um, rotation on pediatrics in dental school. Um, and then, yes, 
it is the whole match. You go on interviews, tons of interviews. I now spend more money, um, miss school your fourth year when you really need to be there. Um, and then, yeah, the whole match program, same thing. And then how long is a pediatric residency? Ours was two years. There are some that are, I want to say like two and a half years where you get your master's in public health, but there are very few of those. Most are two years. Okay. So you're doing a couple years extra. Now I'm, you know, I have no idea about this question right here. Like, are there a lot of other black women in dental school or were you, are there not a lot of other, you know, kind of women in your shoes? I mean, what was that experience like? Yeah, I forget the exact percentage. I had just looked this up the other day, but so in my dental school class, I think there was definitely less than 10 black students, period. And I want to say maybe four of us were female. Um, But there's not many, there's not many black female pediatric dentists, period. Literally about 250 in the whole nation. Whoa. I mean, like, so you are like this super like tiny (laughs) group here. I mean, which I think is also important because, um, you know, representation really matters one for young children to see that Mm -hmm. these jobs are available and you can do it and be a business owner and other things, but also to impact certain communities too, because, you know, seeing a doctor who can look like you to some Mm -hmm. children, like that can be really helpful too. So less than 250 or so female black dentists who do pediatrics out there. Like that's such a tiny, tiny number. Do you guys have a cool club? (laughs) (laughs) We need to start one. That's a really good idea. I'm like, y'all need a club. We need a club like the unicorn club or something. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) We do not have one that I know of. (laughs) So did you, um, as a, you know, either as a woman or as a black woman, I mean, was there, is there discrimination along the way? Did you ever feel like different places made you feel out of place or do you feel like maybe dentistry is more accepting than kind of traditional medicine was? What was your experience? Sure. That's a great question. So I will say, and this, I think is across the board for black people in general. Um, but when I was unfortunately applying to certain dental schools or residencies, I had to really think like, is that a place where I want to live for four years in dental school or for two years in residency? Will I feel safe there? Will I feel accepted there? There are definitely some places I did not apply to and they might've been great programs and maybe that's a judgment on my part, but you know, historically speaking, there are certain places that I didn't necessarily want to um, or feel that I would feel uncomfortable. Um, so that, and then just throughout, um, residency more so than anything. And I think this is women across the board. You can speak to this, the, Hey, Mrs. Aaron, or, Oh, um, can I see the dentist? And they're like looking around me, you know what I mean? Oh my God. Yes. You know, Oh, Miss Natalie, or Oh, when's the doctor coming? We had the same experience, right? So it's just being presumed to not be the role you are, Mm -hmm. even though like probably you're cause like dentist and you have the badge and like, I have the white coat on, right? Like, (laughs) exactly. Um, especially when I would show up in the ED, uh, as we took calls, just like, you know, physicians take calls and I would show up in the ED and they're like, Oh, great. The physician's assistant or like, or the nurse is here, or the PA is here with nothing against it. I mean, those are two fantastic careers. Nurses saved my butt a thousand times in residency. But like, you know, why do you assume that I'm not a doctor? Right. I think it's, I mean, it's hard because then 
you feel like you're the trust, the, you know, dentist, patient, doctor, patient trust is like broken before it begins because now you're kind of coming in to this deficit, which it's so hard, you know, and I think that it's really weird. I, I always found that like, you know, the men who are around can either like make the problem like worse or better, right? Like they really fall into two camps. You have the men who are involved who just like ignore it, like act like that does not happening, sweep in, help out, save the day, answer the questions. And then you have the like he for she's who's like, hey, that's Dr. Crawford, you know, what? right? Like, so I feel like that is probably um, something that's universal to all women. And then I wonder being in, pediatrics, if it's like amplified at all some, because a lot of pediatricians, you know, it's like Dr. Aaron and, you know, like your first name or things like that. So I don't know if that like makes it worse or because you're dealing with like so many patients, right? Like parents, those problematic parents. Right. Right. Exactly. That I, (laughs) I do get that a good amount of times, the Miss Aaron. And sometimes I honestly do think it's because like they just came from school and they were just talking to, you know, patients, teacher, and they're in that mindset of miss something. Okay, I can give you that. But when I've been seeing you for three years and you're still calling me Miss Aaron, it's, that's not okay. <laughs> um, and I definitely have seen that with a lot of, a lot of like granddads who bring their um, grandkids in. I get that a lot. Or like the uncle who's trying to be like the cool uncle. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, Aaron, I have a question. I'm like, I, I just met you. Like, we're not that close. <laughs> yeah, we're not friends. Um, no, we're not. I want to, I want to ask you this because I get asked this all the time. So, you know, when I talk to, you know, younger women who are going into healthcare and they ask, it's a twofold question. One, what is your response to the Miss Aaron? Do you correct them or do you let it be? And then number two, what is your response to the honey, dear, darlings, sugars, sweeties? Oh Lord. Okay. Woo. That's a loaded question. I know, so, but like we got to help these younger women know how to respond. We do. So for the first part, again, I think it depends for me. It depends on if I feel like it was something to be condescending. Mm-hmm. Or if it was literally like a slip of the tongue, like the miss, I mean, Dr. Aaron, like I'll, I'll let that slide. But when it's repetitive, the miss Aaron, I'm like, well, I'll sit down. I'll say, hi, I'm Dr. Aaron. Again, when I hear them chatting and saying miss Aaron, I make sure I repeat and say, I'm Dr. Aaron. And my, um, my team member, my front, she's front desk and assistant and hygienist. She's very good about correcting people. She, she will literally scream from the front of the office and say, oh, you mean Dr. Aaron? Oh, good. She is on your team. She is on it. She's on it. So I definitely try to correct in a way um, that's actually in the conversation because I'm still trying to be kind to the patient, my kid that's sitting right there, but definitely correct it. And then um, the honey, sweet dear, uh, I get that a lot also more some uh, from like contractors who come into the office and um, maintenance people and things like that. I've gotten the honey and deer a few times from again, granddads and things like that. And I'll still, again, try to correct them in conversation, but, um, yeah, I, I try not to be super confrontational, mostly because the kid is sitting right there, but definitely correct them. Yeah. I think it's such an interesting dynamic and I agree. I think it really does depend on the situation. Um, when you're in training and it's happening from somebody above you, I really feel like that's a hard spot, 
but it's important to stop those behavior patterns, not to let somebody be calling you, you know, if you're a med student, let your resident be calling you sweetie or, you know, Mm -hmm. even the patient, right? So it could come from coworkers or colleagues. It can also come from patients. And so I think that you have to kind of set some of those boundaries if they're being crossed in some scenarios. I think you're right. Probably for you, like, and pediatricians in general, you know, who deal with children, it's probably less often the kids who are the offender, but it's like the parents who's with them or, you know, other people you work with, like you said, reps or vendors. And so, you know, trying to kind of wade that line, like, do you want to piss grandpa off? But like, really, he's not setting a good example for his son, you know, or whatever either. So it's like a fine line of trying to correct somebody. Um, And, you know, I have sometimes like said the comment back, which is probably really sarcastically. So, you know, like, oh, da 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 da, sweetie, like, don't, like, come on, like, that's like so not the right. And I think that sometimes like it's the ears a little bit different without being just like, do not call me sweetie. Or I have said that in training, like, uh, hey, you know, maybe we're friends, but like, you can't call me sweetie, you know, call me Dr. Crawford. End of the story. You don't need to talk about it or make a big deal, but this is what it should be and move on because it's not those words of endearment are for your personal life and not your professional life. And they blur lines and then nurses over here think, you know, I think that when you're really going to work as a team, as a woman, you already have certain boundaries in your authority, just, you know, are you the dentist? Are you the doctor? Are you the so-and-so? Like, who are you? Are you the nurse? Are you the PA? And so it's like, no, we're the doctors. And so in order to kind of keep that line up high, we have to make sure that we're not like letting it get beat down because everybody else sees you allowing somebody to call you sweetie, honey, darling, dear, then you're you're accepting it, right? That's that silence is right. acceptance kind exactly. of mentality where if you're not giving I mean, a counter argument, okay. you're, you're rolling with it. Yes, exactly. I actually had an issue with a older patient. This is like another thing that goes along with that in dental school who was calling me honey, sweetie, dear, because he really wanted to be more than patient. He wanted to be a honey, he sweetie, dear. He, he, he wanted to be a honey, sweetie, dear, and that was not okay, like, at all. None of it's okay, but that that one, I definitely stopped that right there in, in the track. Yeah, That's so not okay. I think there are graceful ways, you know, it doesn't always have to be, like, the biggest deal, but, you know, we do know that there is truly you know, women who are in professional school who work with people who, you know, they, they get sexually assaulted, they get harassed and these things happen. And so, you know, we have to stop behavior patterns too. And I always tell young women in training, like if it's your attending or somebody who's in charge of you, who's like, not just maybe a slip up or something, but like chronically doing inappropriate things, like you owe it to yourself and to everybody else to take that up a notch, like take it to the administration, to your program director, to your whoever is could help you. And I think there's so much fear in doing that. But the truth is like, if we're really looking out for each other, that needs to be the norm. And that's how we stop behavior like that. Exactly. Oh, but it's scary stuff, right? Exactly. Especially when you're in school and you're in training and you're, you're like, getting I'm just trying to get through. You're I don't know. I think, you know, like all attendings should have to wear like a a white coat cam so that uh, people can monitor their behavior. I love that. That would be amazing. Did you say that that if you're being recorded, right? Right. Exactly. I know. I love that. That's a great idea. 
Um, so let's talk about leaving. Okay. So you're done with residency. You know, you did not start your practice right away. Like you were, a you know, an associate or an employee at another practice, right? Yeah. Yeah. How did you so, go about choosing your first job? Like, was it just a pediatric practice? Was it a combined? Like, I have no idea. Yeah. So it was just a pediatric practice. I've actually, for the most part, only worked in pediatric practice. There was one that was a family practice, but, um, the person I worked for ended up being there for three and a half years. It was a great position. He's one of my mentors. He's fantastic. Um, he was actually friends with one of the attendees at my residency program. Nice. And um, they knew he was looking for someone. So it kind of just all went from there. But it worked out. I learned so much at that position. As for a first associate position, I honestly couldn't have asked for more. Um, so I was there for about three and a half years. And within there, I started planning for opening my own practice, which opened in 2015, as you said. Um, so leaving the associate position was a little challenging because you don't want to disappoint anybody, but I also want to do my own thing, you know, and it wasn't anything, it wasn't anything against him. I just knew that I wanted to do a different just feel and vibe of office. Um, so, and mine is the complete opposite of what his office was. So I had to branch out. I think there's so many good points here. So one is that there's a lot to learn from a job, even if it's not the right job for your forever. So, I, you know, I'm in the same role and it's, was that the right job for me forever? No. Did I learn things from that job that changed how I practice now and allowed me to kind of get to this place? You have to feel real, real comfortable with your craft to then take on all the other let's open the business and do all this other stuff, right? Because that stuff is really tough, although not impossible. That stuff is hard to do when you're still refining how you practice, right? Exactly. And so exactly. being in an environment where maybe you don't have to worry about some of those things and just practice allows you to refine your style. And there's something to be said for being in a place that's not your forever and you didn't build, but you still gave you the building blocks to then go from there and get to that next place. Um, in medicine, it's like super tough to leave a job. Like they're, they're not competes and jazz like that. Is that the same in the dental world? We have non-competes, but honestly, every attorney I've talked to is like, these aren't enforceable. So I don't know how it's being written in dental contracts. Is literally every contract I've had, I've had an attorney look over it. They're like, don't even worry about it. Of course I try to still adhere to that, but, um, they're like, yeah, this isn't even enforceable. Um, now, I think it also depends on if you're at a private practice versus a um, corporate type of practice. Because I'm sure the corporate practices have, you know, much more high level attorneys who are writing their contracts where it might be a little bit more enforceable. So this is off subject, but before we dive into your, your practice, um, you know, one thing that's happened in the fertility world that the last practice I was at was, you know, bought by private equity and it became, you know, very, very corporate. And I know that's happening, you know, in medicines like dermatology a lot, this is happening to dentistry too, right? Mm -hmm. It sure is. Um, definitely in general dentistry, like general adult family dentistry, and kids dentistry to some extent as well. And you'll hear those horror stories on the news. And whenever you hear that nine times out of 10, it's a corporate kids uh, pediatric dental office, unfortunately. 
But um, yeah, it's definitely happening. So I'm at least where I'm based in Pittsburgh, I'm starting to see a little bit of a turnaround. There's definitely, even before COVID, there was a lot of um, corporate dental offices closing down. So I think maybe people are kind of starting to realize that just saving a few bucks isn't always the answer, especially right. when it comes to your kid. Right. It's your kid. I mean, nothing against Walmart, but there's the Walmart, you know, like there's mm-hmm. always cheaper and more expensive options. And usually exactly. there's a trade-off, right? So you exactly. don't, if you're most interested in saving money, that's, I mean, money, yes, is a limited commodity, but there is something on the flip end. And when you're talking about your kids and some of these you know, dental outcomes that are scary that we hear about, you know, especially like with administering like office anesthesia and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like it's really nerve wracking as a parent, yep. you know, to kind of hear some of these things. Exactly. Okay. So let's dive into some fun stuff. So you decided you, you kind of knew, did you always think you wanted to own your own practice or did this develop as you were practicing? You were like, I want to do it my way. Exactly. Yeah. I actually, never thought I wanted to open a practice. I was like, who would want to do that? That's so much work. I just want to like clock in, clock out. Yeah, right. I would never go that route. And then it was seriously like a light bulb. One day I was just like, I need to do my own thing. Again, it wasn't that anywhere I was at was bad or wrong. It was just, I feel like I could do something a little differently that might work a little bit better for these kids. And, you know, I wasn't finding it anywhere else. So I had to do my own thing totally relate to that. That's obviously what we're doing too. So winning smiles is the name, right? How did you, how'd you come up with that name? Like, was that, Oh, that's the name. Or did you like make 1000 names? I mean, picking a name is tough. Yeah, I actually, I think that was really the only name that I no, My dad recommended steel smiling because we're in the steel city, but I was like, oh, I don't that's, want cute. Them to- that's cute though. I was like, I don't want them to think they're coming in and like grills. Steel grills or whatever, Exactly, every time. I was like, thanks, Dad, but no. Um, So Winning Smiles, it's because it's a team effort to keep dental, optimal dental health. And honestly, dental health isn't separate from overall health. So it's all interconnected, just like a team. It takes the dentist, it takes the parent, and it takes the kid and our environment to keep these kids healthy overall and for dental health. So that's kind of, um, I felt like winning smiles had kind of like a team feel to it. So uh, that's kind of where it came from. It does like the winning team. I love it. Yeah. So you kind of, you came up with the name. What was it like, you know, initially, like, was it super scary to kind of say, I'm going to start this practice? Had you saved up money? Did you have to take out a loan? Like, what was it like kind of getting things started? So if you want to know things not to do when opening a dental practice or practice in general, ask me because I probably did every single one of them, <laughs> but good learning experience. Um, so no, I had no money, well, a little bit of money saved up, but I took a loan from the bank and I was like, oh, yay, look at all this money. Like I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, like at all. It was looking back, I probably should have researched it more, but that's me. Like once I get an idea, I'm just, I'm going for it. Um, so I, we ended up, I took out this huge loan. The contractors went, I think it was like four months over their estimated time. So I ended up having to pay four months of dead rent in a part of Pittsburgh. Yeah. 
that is like not cheap at all. Oh, that's painful. Yeah. So zero patients, zero patients. And I'm paying thousands of dollars a month for rent. Um, so that was like my number one mistake. And oh, there were just so many things from there. But no, I had no clue what I was doing. Kind of learned along the way and talked with mentors along the way. But of course, no one is doing exactly what you want to do. So you listen and you take it all in, but you have to take it with a grain of salt too. You can't say like, this person, I want to be them. So 100%, I'm doing everything what they did. Because that might not work in your location or with your patient demographic. It's, it's you know, it's great advice, but it's advice. Oh, that's such a good point, like in life in general, that people are going to give you like their opinions and their experience and their advice. And that's good. And you should seek it out, especially for mentors. But your situation is unique and nobody's kind of in the exact same spot. So you have to take that advice and figure out how to apply it to you. And maybe it makes sense. And maybe it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. What do you say about winning smiles? Like what's your mission statement? What sets you apart? You know, what kind of is this thing that was like your burning passion that needed to be done differently? What is it like for you? Yeah. So our, well, our, technically our slogan is um, dentistry for infants to teens and everyone in between. But we really say that every visit, we just want it to be a positive one. So even if there might be tears or screaming, we're like, oh, but last time you didn't do this and today you did. So yay, we're making progress. Yeah, we always try to make sure it's a positive visit um, and that we're moving forward. And it's very, I know everybody says they treat their patients like family, but we really do. Like I said, you're people walking to them by, as they walk yeah. you're, you're really treating like, them like family. I like it. We're like mom's out dogging. You're like, you want a water as she talks about, you know what I mean? So um, that and kids really are excited to come in. Like they get so excited. It's the cutest when now you have a patient you've been seeing for three years who's a big brother and he gets so excited to bring little sister in. Like, Here's where we clean the teeth. Here's where we use Mr. Thirsty. Like it's so adorable. And that only comes from taking the time to kind of instill that trust between both patient and parent. And that was my big thing with a lot of other offices that I worked at is it just was so quick and fast paced, which is how most pediatric dental right. offices are. Not like factory-ish, um, but you got to see the patients yeah. to make the money, right? Exactly. Exactly. But I decided to go the other route where it's more boutique feel. Um, we see less patient. And this is where the, you know, maybe you're paying a few more dollars, but you get probably more time. You buy time. Exactly. So you get to actually talk to the doctor and, you know, your kid gets to hang out with the doctor. So then if God forbid they ever have to get a cavity filled or things like that, they're not like, who's this person, you know? Um, so taking time, really getting to know the families and the kids learning something special about each kid so we can chat about it next time. And they're like, how do you remember, you know, the special things like that and the coziness of the office too. I love that. So you're the only doctor at the office, right? Correct. Yeah. How much staff do you have? Like how many employees do you have? <laughs> funny question because for my first three years it was me that's it right. me. <laughs> um, occasionally my mom would come in and help or someone that I worked with at a previous previous office would you just do it all you schedule too. them you check them do out throwing stuff in the, in the autoclave while I'm like checking people out you know like talking on the phone like put on the phone you know like it's just everything all at once but um you know I did because I started so behind track um with being paying that dead rent, 
I literally could not afford to pay someone else. So, but the silver lining is that the patients and the parents got me all the time. So then it built up this really good, um, you know, trust system. And that's how still to this day, we get most of our, um, our new patients by referral. They're like, you have to go there. She's great. I know her. She's awesome. And it's just fantastic. We were just talking about this in our office. Cause you know, we have like a weekly meeting. We have a very small crew and we were saying, you know, really this first year is what kind of makes you or breaks you. So it's like Absolutely. making sure that you're doing like everything times 10 for every Absolutely. single person, because if you, especially if you're selling your kind of time, the personalized experience, this is boutique and that you're going to pay a little bit more, but that's mm-hmm. going to be worth it for the experience. If that's not the experience people are getting, then what, what are you, how are you different at all? And so we were Absolutely. telling, you know, our team like, yeah, Hey, we're small. This is how it's going to be. But like, this is why this time period is so critical because once you get that reputation set one way or another, it's yep. so hard to switch it. But, oh my God, Absolutely. girl, you did it all for three years. You auto instruments and Everything. who was the first person you hired? Who was your first hire? What role was this? So she is a trained dental assistant and hygienist, which is amazing. And she does my front desk. So we're about, <laughs> she's, she's like a little unicorn too. Um, so we're about to actually hire uh, another dental assistant to take a little bit off of everyone's plate. Um, and then I could still see us hiring another hygienist probably. But um, yeah, it's just me and the my one team member right now. But hopefully by the end of the year, we'll have a second team member. Love it. You're growing. It's so, fun. it's so, so fun. What for you is the hardest thing about owning a practice? Oh, man. <laughs> Where do I start? I think the hardest part about owning an office is, get, man, having to learn the business side of things because you know they don't teach that in school like we have to kind of figure it out on our own um so figuring out you know taxes and um ordering instruments and supplies and just everything that goes with the business side of things reading your books keeping track of your numbers making sure you're not overspending all of that stuff is the hardest part. <laughs> I'm sure it's just like what we always say, like they did not teach you to like run a business in medical school. Like they actually exactly. taught zero things about it to prepare zero. you in any mm-hmm. way, right? Exactly. Same thing. And it's funny because in dental school, especially they're like, yeah, you can totally still open your pra- own uh, practice. That's like the big thing in dentistry, yet no one teaches you how to do it. So they're so. like, yeah, it'll be fine. You can totally do it. I mean, we're not going to tell you how, you like, go figure it out, but you figure it out. Yeah. I find it's like, there's this, um, you know, the extra pressure, um, of having to say, well, I want to do like this, but like, you know, thinking about making sure you have enough money reserved, like to pay your staff and, you know, making sure that you're taking care of kind of everything at one time. So really realizing that you're the person I luckily have a partner, but for you, it's you, right? You're the person keeping the lights on, paying salary, paying the rent, buying the supplies. If some, you know, like that all falls on your shoulders, which means the reward of it all when it's going great, all falls on you too. Right. But it is something that you have to say, okay, I'm ready for this challenge. And I think a big barrier to a lot of people who have these big dreams and aspirations 
is that feeling of that pressure with the dollar tag of that nice little loan that we all get, you know? So you're like, oh, I got this pressure to perform. Plus I have this like payback amount. But Mm -hmm. at some point, I think you realize that if you're, you can either work for yourself or you can work for somebody else. And if you find somebody else and your passions are perfectly aligned and you have very similar mentalities and you're getting what you need out of that relationship, it can be good, right? Like if you want to clock in and clock out and you, you're getting well compensated and you're taking care of people the way you want to get, take care of them, then that works for you. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, usually at some point, and what I found, it sounds like you too, you're like, why am I doing this if I can't take care of people the way that I want to take care of them? What exactly. is the point, right? Exactly. Yep. That's a hundred percent correct. Even on the toughest day now, I'm like, it's still better than me working for someone else in a way that I don't want to do it. Um, and you are so correct about everything falling on you. Oh, let me tell you, like I said, if you could do something wrong, I did it wrong. Um, there was a point in time when right after I opened my office, honestly, there was like lights about to get cut off. Uh, my rent was four months behind. I had to move back in with my parents. Like it was, I had credit card debt out the wazoo on top of the loan. It was, bad but so all that to say like if I can do it and if I can come back from it it can be done I promise you yeah I know I think you find a way like Mm -hmm. if it's important and you know this is your passion I think you just jump for it and you figure it out I mean we yep we've got one car right now and our mortgage is being deferred but you know there's a pandemic so that kind of all works out and exactly my kids aren't going to school, so it's fine. But like, I think that there's different ways, you know, that you can say, and if your worst case scenario is that you went out on your own and it didn't work out, could you still find another job? Yes. If your other worst case is that you feel like you never use your skills and your passion the way that you're supposed to, then were you really doing it the way you want? And are you really going to be satisfied leaving your home and leaving your friends and your family to go do that job? if you're not really doing it in the way that you think is the best. And that's kind of, I think what got you and what got me and what gets so Mm -hmm. many of us. And I am excited to see how many, I'm seeing more and more women start to tackle entrepreneurship and say, you know what? Sure. There's a lot of big barriers or hurdles and I'm getting told by people, I can't do it, which like literally, you know, we heard of people talking behind our backs, like, oh, they're not going to be successful. Oh, they can't do it. Oh, the dumbest idea. I'm sure you have similar Mm -hmm. stories. Mm -hmm. You're like, watch me, right? Watch this. Yep. Exactly. I feel that way now. Um, You know, a lot of people, oh, you can't do a boutique pediatric dental practice. That's not how it works. You see everyone every 20 to 30 minutes and that's just how it goes. We have our appointments for everybody and we just had our best month ever in August. So it's okay. And guess who's now asking me for questions? Yeah. Right. Work smarter, right. Work smarter, not Mm -hmm. harder. And when somebody tells you it can't be done, it's probably because they don't have the balls to do it themselves. Right. Or they're Mm -hmm. like intimidated by your likelihood of success. Exactly. Um, Cause then Mm -hmm. kind of, they're like, no, I gotta like beat it this way. This is the only way I can do it. Blah, blah, blah. Like then that's not valid anymore. No. Mm -mm. I'm so so proud of you. Congrats on your best month. Thank you. Thank you. It was so exciting. So that's pretty rock star because like there's been COVID. So what happened with COVID? Let's say circa March, April, did you guys have to close everything down? We were closed for two and a half months. We had to. Oh my God. Did you eat during that time or did you? (laughs) I honestly don't know. Like it is such a blur. I don't know what happened from March to the end of May. Like I really don't know what happened. 
Um, <laughs> it like our Department of Health said we could not open for a while. Um, no one in Pennsylvania essentially could do dentistry unless you have like a negative pressure room, which who has that? Oh for yeah. For all our tuberculosis patients or whatever. Oh, right. 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 Exactly. Half the hospitals have like one room. So that got knocked down real quick, but then it was, you could see emergency patients if you had the N95s and whatnot, which none of us, none of us dentists were able to get it because it was being diverted to other places. So between that and the DOH just saying like we couldn't have routine dental care being done, it was from March 19th, I still remember it, to the day after Memorial Day is how long we were closed. Oh my God. We were similar. We started weaning back in a little bit earlier, but like we still could do telemedicine. And this was a time I was very happy to be a doctor. Who's like primary organ is the vagina because like, that's not the mouth. You know what I mean? That's not the mouth. So I felt like I could still kind of like stand away from you and do my like vaginal ultrasound. So I was real happy that that was where I was and not like a dentist because probably, you know, reopening back up, then you got to think upon these extra layers. Like I got to get PPE. I got to make sure like we're, we're safe, patient safe, like all of that stuff. Right. Exactly. And that's the big thing. Like dental offices, we've been doing a lot of the stuff that they're suggesting. We've been doing that stuff for a long time, as far as like wiping down everything and the actual solutions you're using to wipe it down. We've had that for forever, but, um, the PPE adding on the face shields and the N95s and things like that. It's us who are more at risk than the patient. Right. You got to let the patient know that, you know, you're safe. We're doing everything we can. Meanwhile, we have stuff splashing in our face. But, but, you know, we just wear the shields. We got cute ones for the kids. They have like little robots or like I have a princess crown, like a tiara one. So it's really, it's cute. We try to make it fun. I'm sure you guys are doing a fabulous job. I'm not um, jealous of your role at all there because I just think that that like, you know, who needs extra layer of complexity or even more cost, right? I mean, like you got to buy all this PPE. Like, so now let's take, let's like not let you make money for two and a half months. Now let's, you know, make just your root daily cost of what you have to spend is more. So I think that those are all, you know, Mm -hmm. just little challenges, you know, that we're all kind of going through, but you know, exactly. things can be done. You can open your practice back up and have your best month ever after in a pandemic. I mean, we started exactly. a practice in a pandemic. So like these things can totally be done. Exactly. What, um, let's like dive into a couple more things before we hop off, because yeah. I want to know about, um, just like dental health in general. Like I'm probably mm-hmm. like not really good. And you so you probably have, I know you do kids mostly, but yeah. let's just still talk about like to the women out there who are listening, like what are things that, are good for your teeth and what are things that we do that like drive dentists crazy? Okay. So for, let me start with kids. Um, for kids, one of the biggest things, obviously we all talk about candies and sugars and whatnot, but one of the biggest things I harp on is the liquid versions of sugars like juices and flavored milks. And around here, the sweet teas, like the flavored iced teas and, um, you know, Mountain Dew is really big around here. Now, if if you want to give your kid a cavity, like overnight, give them Mountain Dew. Give we them Mountain it, Dew. We call it Dew Mouth because it ends up looking like Mac Mouth. But it's no way. Cavities. It's terrible. It's terrible. People put it in their baby bottles. Here. You're joking. I am not joking okay. at all. 
Friends, if you're listening, no Mountain Dew in the baby bottle, okay? We just made it a rule. You can't listen to the podcast and put Mountain Dew in the baby bottle. No Mountain Dew, period. But yeah, just call it no more Mountain Dew. We're sorry. Bottle. This episode is yeah. not sponsored by Mountain Dew. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so I would say like flavored juices, any, any type of liquid sugar that goes in and out of the nooks and crannies is going to be your worst off option because how great are toddlers about you getting in there and brushing and flossing? That's They're terrible. Great. Exactly. And then that stuff sits all in there until you go to the dentist and it gets cleaned out. Um, but in general, let's see some other things for adults. I guess, I guess the biggest thing, which isn't even necessarily about your teeth, is when you come into the dentist's office and before even like introducing yourself, you say, I hate dentists. I'm like, well, nice to meet you too. You can say that about gynecologists too. And I'm like, we're, we're people too. Like, I know you don't like what I do, but when you say I hate dentists, I'm like, well, geez, like that's getting us off on the right foot. <laughs> so that's one of the biggest things. Um, and then let's see what else, obviously not necessarily listening to our advice, like asking for our advice. Again, it's your body. You do what you want. But when we keep telling you that the, five cups of coffee with sugar and creamer that you're drinking every day is contributing to the, all the cavities that we see every time you come in, but you still keep doing it. Like I, I'm going to have to fix that problem, but I can't fix where that problem is coming from. Right. You're giving suggestions, but it's up to the person to take responsibility. Let's play true false. Uh, It's bad to chew on ice. True false. True. Oh, dang. What about (laughs) it's, um, bad to drink like red wine and coffee you because it stains your teeth and you should drink them out of a straw it just doesn't sound right out of a straw it doesn't sound right i will say this it helps to lessen the staining if you drink it out of the straw but i never drink it out of the straw so what about <laughs> that true false like lemon like citrusy stuff is bad for your teeth if you drink enough of it yes or if you bite right into lemons which yeah. a lot of people do a lot of then yes it can be what about like people who are putting like lemon and stuff like in their like waters and things like that, like to flavor it? Is that so bad if you drink a lot of it? If you drink a lot of it, it can be. I like to suggest things that aren't as citrus based, like cantaloupe or melons or things like okay. that, or strawberries in there. Those are really good. So, but okay. if you, because you can have too much of a good thing, any amount of lemon or citric acid in there can definitely cause problems after a while. Okay. What about true, false, like sparkling water is bad for your teeth, like Topo Chico? Same thing. If you drink it every single day as oh like God, I drink your it only water day. source. <laughs> well, <laughs> I know. I love it. Actually, we myself. really love Topo Chico here in Texas. I don't know if I've ever even heard that. Is yeah, it like, like to LaCroix? It's, real, it's like better than LaCroix. I'll ship you Oh, ooh, yay. This episode can be sponsored by Topo Chico. Feel free to send I mean, all your money. Hey, right, exactly. But don't drink it every day, you're saying, right? Or like, Everything in moderation. I always say, like, there's ideal and there's reality. Like, mm-hmm. I can tell you, don't let your kids have ice cream. But, like, your kid's probably going to want ice cream. So they can have it every once in a while as a treat. Try not to do it every single day for every meal. But, you know, they can have a little bit of same with bubbly water, sparkling water, lemons in your water, coffee, same thing. Black coffee is actually not bad for you at all. It's the creamer and sugar that we add in. Just a little FYI. Okay. Black coffee, everybody. And then what about 
like I have a lot of patients who are so afraid in the first trimester of pregnancy to go to the dentist, but having good dental care is really important. So true or false, it's safe to go to the dentist in the first trimester of pregnancy. True with an asterisk next to it. Um, <laughs> so um, depending on what you're getting done at the dental office. So if there's something where you're getting a filling and you're going to need local anesthesia, like numbing medicine, then definitely chat with your dentist because they might want to delay that a like little see in bit. in the second trimester usually. Yes, exactly, exactly. But if you're going for a cleaning, it should be all good. Actually, you want to go for your cleanings. A lot of insurances pay for an additional cleaning when, during pregnancy um, because you can get what's called like um, pregnancy gingivitis, we call it, where just the hormones cause inflammation of the thumbs and they're bleeding and it's just not good. Oh, look at those hormones. They do that. all so many things, but Eat, okay. Right? So that's good to know. So definitely go get your cleaning while you're pregnant. And if you need mm -hmm. like a procedure, you can talk to your OB and your dentist about when the safest exactly. time for said procedure exactly. would be. But I mm -hmm. have patients who are like, I broke off my tooth, but I can't go to the dentist because I'm pregnant. I'm like, girl, go, you know what I mean? You like, gotta go. You yeah. gotta go. At this point, you can't just be sitting here with your tooth broken because you're exactly. afraid to go. And there's a lot of studies that show that, um, Parents, especially moms with higher um, bacterial count of like the bacteria that causes active decay and either passively, mostly passively pass that on to their children, i.e. like once baby's born, you know, you blow on their food to cool it off and then you shove that food in their mouth. That bacteria, like everything can be passed on to your kids or if you they drop their binky and you put it in your mouth and then into their mouth. If you have active decay, that's going to pass on to your kids. So you should get that taken care of. So fascinating. Okay. Uh -huh. So, you know, ending up kind of in the last thing here is I love that you're constantly, you know, breaking stereotypes. You can't open your practice. Watch me. Can't do it. Boutique and peds. Mm -hmm. Watch me. Mm -hmm. Can't run a whole practice by yourself. Watch me. You're mm -hmm. also though, like small little side gig of modeling, right? Yeah. You Tell me about this. Right. Like, have you always modeled? When did this happen? So first of all, I need you to, along with the bubbly water, whatever it is, I need you to mail me some of your legs because I need a couple more inches. <laughs> um, All right, tell me what yeah. you're doing, legs. Come in your way. Legs, perfect. Um, but I've actually been doing it since like high school for fun. Um, dropped off during college and, um, and dental school, obviously. But once I started residency and back to, you know, practicing and everything, I got kind of back in it. Not anything too crazy, but, um, you know, definitely do like fashion week here in Pittsburgh and places in Ohio and, you know, a couple of little fashion shows here and there, photo shoots. I, I like to dabble. It's fun. What's the most fun thing you've ever done when it comes to modeling? Ooh, that's good. Um, I, I love fashion shows. Like it's just, it's something about being on the runway. That's just like, I zone out and it's just, bam, like that's all there, that's all there is happening in the world right now. So any type of runway show. Um, and then I did do a really fun photo shoot last year. It was a branding shoot, but I told my photographer, who's now one of my very good friends that I don't want it to be your typical dentist, like crossed arms, white coat photo shoot. I did a huge ball gown and we're like twirling around. I had a tiara and it was the whole, like, you can look however you want and still be a dentist and he captured it perfectly. And that was one of my most fun 
photo shoots, modeling things to date. Oh my gosh. I'm like going to go make my partner buy a four blue ball gowns and we can like do our own version of that photo shoot because that is so up my alley. And I, I want to also it. say that the whole like, uh, oh yes, I did this, I did this fashion show. Like the, um, you know, I was lucky enough to like with figs, the scrubs do a little print ad, like whether they flew me to LA. I saw it. was just fabulous. But like legit, like I'm an awkward human being the whole time. They just like catch you between the moments. It's like that TikTok filter. I don't know if you've seen it where like you're being weird, but it catches you pretty. That's how I felt like that whole experience was. So having to actually like walk in front of people and like look elegant and graceful, it would be so far away from my baseline. So very, very impressed by, oh, just a I just dabble in some fashion shows. No big deal. Twirling, twirling in my ball gown. You just like get in a zone and it's literally like, it's just so different because dentistry, there's drills, there's sounds, there's kids. And it's just like, I just block everything out and it's just, that's all there is. There's a camera or there's a runway. And that's it. Like, I don't even see the people in the crowd. Like, I don't know. That's it. It's just, okay. I love it. My last kind of thing is what advice do you want to give to other women who are out there who possibly, you know, see this and say, I want to go into dentistry. I want to go to medicine or I want to start my own practice or my own thing. Mm -hmm. What advice do you have to give to them? Number one, if you want to go into dentistry, definitely make sure you shadow someone first because there's a whole, it's different when like you're getting something done to you and you get some veneers and you're like, this is beautiful. Maybe I'll do dentistry versus you see someone doing the whole process of how long it takes to get, you know, prep the teeth and get the veneers off to the lab and make sure they fit perfectly, color match everything. Like it's a whole process, not to mention if you don't like needles or blood, you probably shouldn't be a dentist. So um, that's, that's the number one. And the number two is never let someone else tell you what you can and can't do. Sometimes even your mind might trick you and say that, eh, I don't think you can do this. But I literally, people probably think I'm like out of this world, but sometimes I have to out loud tell myself like, no, you can do this and <laughs> just keep it going, keep it moving. Um, but you can definitely do it, write down your goals and start small and go from there. Um, don't necessarily, I mean, you can aim for a million dollar practice in your first year. Great. But, you know, maybe start with small goals and things like that um, and work your way up and definitely get a good mentor. That's number three. Good mentors are, that's, that's Gold. your life line like, right there. They're the real unicorns, right? They're the real unicorns. Yeah. They are the real unicorns. Um, I've just loved having you here. Will you tell everybody where they can find you on social media and find your practice online and that kind of information? Sure. Yeah. So my Instagram, my handle is at Dr. Aaron. So it's uh, D-R underscore E-R-I-N. That's Instagram. And then on Facebook, I have our office Facebook page, which is Winning Smiles Pediatric Dental Care. Um, and my email is hi at com. I love it. Erin, thank you so, so much. It's been a pleasure. This was so fun. Thank you for having me. All right. Isn't she the best? Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I did recording it. I want to give a huge shout out and thanks to Erin for being here. As always, you can follow me on Instagram at Natalie Crawford MD or on TikTok. And please tune in and subscribe to the YouTube channel. 
This week on YouTube, I'm sharing a very, very special story of somebody dear to me who I was fortunate enough to be her doctor as she struggled with getting a metastatic breast cancer diagnosis in her 20s. You won't want to miss it. Thanks so much. <laughs> 